Hello everyone. Welcome back to This Is Us, This Is Me. I know it's been a while. It's been like a month, I believe, um, since I made my first episode. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I know I said I was going to do it like every week. Um, that first episode really took a toll on me. Um, letting out a lot of my past to you guys and, and sharing that with you. Um, definitely... It definitely took a toll on me, um, and that's why it's been so long, you know, since I have recorded. I didn't mean to run away from anybody or make people feel like I wasn't going to finish or continue with the podcast because I see it's doing very well, and it's reached a lot of people. It's even reached people in different countries. I see people in Japan are even watching it and places like that, so it's it's really awesome, and I appreciate the love, and I've got a lot of messages about it and people who can relate or people who can't relate and just want to reach out and let me know that I'm heard. And I appreciate that a lot. So thank you for anybody that's reached out or that listened. I appreciate it. But it did take a toll on me um, for that almost hour just sitting there and kind of jumbling in everything from age four to, you know, 16 really. Or, um, and to explain, I guess if I'm going to recap on it, I really explained um, most of my sexual assault background and a little bit of my mental illness kind of when it started and when I realized stuff was going on with me. I mean, what happened, you know, when I finally came out at 16 for everything that had happened to me. Um, so that's kind of how my first episode went. I had to listen back for a little bit and try to remember, you know, where I left off. Um, I remember leaving off when I reached out to my mom and told her everything and her reaction. And um, I know I fast forwarded a little bit from 16 to 22 to talk about when I met my psychiatrist and um, which he's amazing by the way Um, and how he kind of you know explained me even though I already knew explained to me that the things that happened were wrong and people don't deserve things like that but again I knew that but I had never you know like I said last time I had never heard that from anybody Um, so we're gonna kind of try to in this episode finish up my story of things kind of happening in my past that way we can dive into um, mental illness and treatment and my life now or my life since then, um, you know, becoming a mom and trying trying to really juggle being a mom, having a job, having the severe mental illness that I have, the trauma that I have, kind of how I deal with it. Um, it's either going to be a two or three part series of just kind of my story before we venture out. I'm going to try to finish it in this one. So I'm going to try to go off of, so when I came out to my mom at 16, I, you know, I told you all that. Um, So we're going to jump forward from, well, let me, let me stay. I'm not going to explain this situation, but let's stay at 16. Around the time that I had told my mom everything that happened to me growing up and, you know, how she kind of um, swept it under the rug, you can say, um, I was raped around that age. I don't speak out about it much. Um, It's not something that I want to tell people. It's not something that I have really explained to people. Um, I've never said who raped me and I never will. Those are not people that I want to um, mess with. I guess you can say those are not people that I would ever, 
ever speak out about. You could offer me a million dollars. I I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't offer a name up. It was two people, but I probably I wouldn't even offer one name up. So um, I won't really go into detail about that. But yeah, that happened. Um, and I spoke out about that as well to my mother. Um, and that was that was shot down as well. So we'll fast forward to when I was nineteen. I finally came out to my father um, about the things that happened to me. At the time, I had just started to date my children's father. I have two little boys. Um, Their dad and I started dating when I was 19. We split up when I was maybe 24, I believe. We were together five or six years, closer to six years. So I was about 24 when we split up. So from 19 to 24, um, a couple months after I met him, he, um, I had actually opened up to him about everything that happened to me growing up, including the rape, which I had never opened up and told anybody before. Um, and he had kind of told me like, hey, you should just tell your dad. You know, it's eating you up inside because your mom didn't do anything. Just tell, tell your dad. So I remember one night I was living, I think, I no, I wasn't living with my kids at the time. I was staying at his house a lot though, but um, I had to go back to my house to get clothes and he was like, just tell your dad. And I was like, all right. So him and his friend stayed in the car and I went inside to get my clothes and I asked my dad to come to my room at the time and I told him. Um, I did it in quick detail. Not even detail, honestly. I did it in a in a quick conversation is how I should say this. And I don't know what reaction, well, this is making me emotional, sorry. I don't, I don't know what reaction um, I thought that I was going to get. I can't believe this is making me cry. I don't know what reaction I thought I was going to get from him. Um, in my head, the parental reaction you assume is, um, you know, instant hugs and I'm sorry. And then next, like... Either one, we're beating the shit out of this, these people, or two, these people are going to jail, or both, you know. Um, and for the situation with my Uncle Joe that I had really went into detail since that was, like, one of the main traumatic things that happened when I was younger. Um, all he said was, you know, for years, we all thought he was doing that to little girls because he was weird. But we thought he was doing it to his grandkids, not to his nieces. And that took me back because I was like, wow, like, so you all thought that he was doing this to people, but you just assumed it was his grandkids, who are my cousins, by the way. You just assumed it was his grandkids he was doing it to and not his nieces or nephews, whatever he decided, you know, to do. But that was wild to me because if you thought that, why in the hell? Were you sending me over there? And it's like, he was there sometimes, you know, when Joe would stick his tongue in my mouth. He was, he was there. And I told him, I think I said it on the last episode to you guys, that when we were walking out of the house one day, I told him, like, ew, he put his tongue in my mouth. As a parent, I would have turned around and walked inside. Like, you put your tongue in my kid's mouth, bitch. You know, like, I would have went the fuck off on this person. Um... But nothing, you know, he didn't do anything then. But yeah, when I came out and told him everything at 19, that's all he said to me. 
Um, and he asked me if I told my mom, and I told her. Excuse me. I told I told him that I told her about three, four years back. Um, and that nothing had been done, and I was supposed to keep it a secret. And again, I thought he would maybe be upset at my mom. You know, like, why did you tell Melinda to keep it a secret? Um, but there was nothing. That's the response that I got, and that was it. Just a, oh, I thought he was doing it to his grandkids. Like his granddaughters, not his nieces. And that hurt. I didn't know what to do, so I just said, oh, I got to go back, you know, to my boyfriend's house. I got to go. Gave him a hug, and when I got in the car with my boyfriend and his friend, I remember just bawling my eyes out. Because how could your children tell you that stuff? And you don't do anything. You know, and that, being 16 and telling my mom that, and being 19 and telling my dad that. And now at 26, it still, you know, has this emotional effect on me that that's all I think about is, you know, why would you not, why would you not help me, you know? I mean, I'm four years old. And I'm so full of love. And I'm so full of happiness. And for somebody to take that from me so young. And for people to continue to take what's left of me. Through my, you know, through my childhood years and my preteen years into my teen years. You know, and then when I met, when I met my kid's dad, um, a lot of this episode will be about the domestic violence and um, drug use on his part. Um, so for people that know him, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to change your, you know, your, um, your thoughts or perception that you have of my kid's dad. Um, his name's Kevin, so I might, I might just say boyfriend or Kevin, like when I speak about the past. Um, but everybody, you know, everybody that knows me knows him. We were together six years. Everybody, you know, everybody that hears this or hears me talk about my kids' dads, or you know, they're gonna know. They're gonna know who he is, and um, this is in no way to. I I'm not trying to bash him, and when I speak about this part of my life, um, he did what he did, and he was who he was. Um, people can like him now if they want to. <laughs> But you still need to know who he was. I mean, who he really is still, to me at least. Um, and to my knowledge, I'm the only girl he's ever put hands on and um, beat up as badly as he beat me up. Um, I hope nobody else after ever has to experience that with him. Um, I wish I never had to. <laughs> But I guess if it had to be me so it didn't have to be anybody else, then I'll take that, you know. Um, like I had said on my last episode, I just feel like this is what I was made for, sadly, to be the scapegoat, to be the abused, to be the used. Um, still now, almost 30 years old, I don't see a purpose for myself in life uh, my children are my purpose if I didn't have my children then I would I would have hurt myself 
Um, I would have hurt myself a long time ago if I didn't have my kids. I had my first kid when I was 21. Um, yeah, even now, people think I do, I'm doing great, um, and I'm not at all. Um, all those years of trauma um, and, and hurt um, really catches up to you. So, um, it's definitely without my kids, I, um, I, I wouldn't be here. That that's for sure. But yeah, when I was nineteen, I met my kid's dad, and we. Sorry, I'm losing train of thought from these emotions. Um, when I met my kid's dad, I was 19. Um, we had went to middle school together, actually. But he was two grades ahead of me. Um, so I knew who he was. He was like my childhood crush. Like I had the biggest crush on him growing up. I thought he was so cute, like was obsessed with him, you know, like the middle school, just like older boy, you know, I was in sixth grade, he was in eighth grade, just, you know, he's the older boy, oh my god, he's so cute, like, that's how I kind of saw him, um, a little through high school, before he dropped out of high school, you know, I had a crush on him, thought he was cute, again, he still never knew who I was, um, and then I was dating a friend of his at the time, his name was Tom, I was dating him, we were really dating, we were dating, but we weren't, you know what I mean? Like we were 18. It went on for a while. Like we had even dated in like seventh grade. Like I had known Tom for a long time. <clears throat> Him and Kevin were friends. So anyways, I had like went over to Kevin's house to hang out with Tom and I officially met Kevin there. Um, we hit it off. I sounded so bad. Tom was not giving me the time of day. He was hooked. He was like hooked on his ex-girlfriend still. So he was on his phone with his ex-girlfriend the whole time. So I conversated with Kevin. So we kicked it off from there. Um, months and months later, we were hanging out. And then eventually we started dating. Um, Kevin was, not to my knowledge at the moment, um, a drug user. Pills, meth, heroin, coke crack anything he could get his hands on um but he hid it from me very very well I would say maybe almost not almost I would say the first like eight nine months he had he hid it from me very well um until he eventually you know got I caught him his mom caught him we caught him up on it and he went to rehab but I would say you know our relationship was very good at first I that was the first person I ever felt genuinely loved me for me um didn't want to use me for sex, um, didn't want to use me for like what I could give him at the time. Like he genuinely, I'll, I'll give him that now. He genuinely cared about me. I'll say the first year. Um, after that, I don't really know, but the first year I would say, yeah, he was, he genuinely not just loved me, but was in love with me. Um, so I'll, I'll give him that, but he had started putting his hands on me. I, I believe it was right 
before he went to rehab yes because we we spoke about it in rehab I came to like group meetings and we like spoke about him putting his hands on me so he had blamed it on drug use um I don't remember the exact first time that he put his hands on me like I can't pinpoint like oh yeah like okay the first time Kevin ever put his hands on me this is what happened this was the situation I cannot remember that um due to PTSD due to my schizophrenia, due to being bipolar, depression, all that. A lot of my memory is gone. Um, I can't even remember a lot of the shit that I did last week. I can't even remember everything I did two days ago. My memory is horrible because of the things that have happened to me. Um, so I can't, I can't remember the first time. Um, but I do remember, you know, when he would put his hands on me, um, I'll go into detail a couple times, but there's nothing I can pinpoint like before rehab, but he started to be a every day, all the time heroin user. Um, and he used needles. That was, that was his way of using heroin. Um, and he got really bad. He went to rehab. He was in rehab. I would say a month maybe the first time because he went back twice the second time he only went for like two weeks and he like lied and said that they were kicking him out because of his insurance but really he just wanted to get out um and I had to go get him but yeah he, the first time he went like a month he was doing really good we went to like group meetings and talked about him putting his hands on me his drug use things like that um he kept a lot of that away from me like after rehab and he started to use again like I knew he was using um, but he didn't do it in front of me. Like, we had lived at his mom's house, like, in her basement at the time. Um, mind you, I'm 19. He was, like, 20. He was 22. I was 19. He was 22. Um, and he would, like, go to the bathroom and do it or go in the back room and do it or wait till, like, I was upstairs or wait till I was at work and do it. He never, like, I never just sat on the bed and, like, he was on the bed or he was on the couch and just, like, shot up and, like, talked to me. Like, I never was around him when he did it. Um, I never used either. And it's crazy that people have a hard time believing that. Like, how were you with such an avid, you know, drug user um, and you never used? Kevin can tell you to this day as well. I never, um, he never offered it to me. I never was curious and wanted to try. It was not something that we we talked about. Oh, like when I'm high, this is how I feel. It feels so good. Like he never talked like that to me. Those were... We were together as a couple, but that was like our separate life things. You know what I mean? Like when you're together, like you have you together and then you have your life and they have theirs. Like that was his life. Like I didn't want any part of that. Sadly, I had to find needles and find spoons and find drugs. But like I never just like watched this man shoot up or like he would go to the garage and do it. Like I, but I, I never, um, I never, I never seen him do it. I never watched him do it. I never, I walked in on him before, um, which is fucking wild I walked in on him twice I believe that I know of um but he had like hit his hand behind his back and stuff I, I didn't actually see it but yeah so he got out of rehab like everything was good in rehab we went to go see him like his daughter his mom his mom's husband at the time me we would go and see him everything was good um and you know I would say his mom took a lot of his drug use out on me um like saying I was an enabler because it was my money he was using but it's like people didn't realize, like, I wasn't just handing this man money. Like, this man was literally beating my ass to a pulp to get this money. Um, 
it's not something I was just handing over to him. Or like I was literally, you guys, I was having to hide money like in my shoes, um, hide money in my coats, hide money, you know, in, in the fucking wall, hide money in the ceiling, put my fucking debit card in my, my debit card. I'm sorry. Put my debit card in my fucking underwear at night. Like the ones I'm wearing as I go to sleep, like hide it in my drawers so that he couldn't get out of bed and go try to find it. It would be like on my body. Like, and people just thought, well, you know, he's not working. He doesn't have a job. It's your money. So you're the reason he's a drug user. You know, it's your fault. It's your fault. And I'm thinking, bitch, because his mom and his sister were like that. I'm thinking, dude, like this man was a drug user before I met him. This man had been using drugs since he was a teenager. This man was already popping perks and doing heroin and meth and all types of shit before I met him. I was not a drug user. I smoked weed a couple times. I popped like a Zanny and a perk in high school like a few times. And that was it. Like I was not, I was not a drug user. This was not what I did in life. And it was like put on me. I guess it was like, we don't want to put the blame on ourselves for being his family and like not trying to help him. So we're just going to put it on the outsider. Cause at the time, you know, I was an outsider that I wasn't with, him. I was with him like a year, but I was still like an outsider. Um, so they wanted to blame somebody um, and they put the blame on me. But it's like, and even they started to know he was putting his hands on me. Um, and his mom a few times like called the cops, but it was like the cops in my town, um, they handled it very wrong. They made sure me and Kevin were together when they were asking me if he put his hands on me, like literally like standing in the doorway with his arm around me. And they're asking me like, did this man just beat your ass? Um, clear, like clearly you could see in my face, like my glasses are broke. My lip is busted. My face is red. My hair's all fucked up. Like, clearly you can tell I just got my ass beat. But you're going to ask me with the man who did it standing right next to me? Make, makes no sense. So what would anybody say that's being abused? They're going to say, oh, no, he didn't do it because he's standing right there holding onto my shoulders. You know what I mean? Or he's gripping my waist so that it hurts me, you know, so that I don't say anything. So in that aspect, like the police really didn't handle that very well. But it's like, again, even his mom and them knew like what he was doing to me. Um, and they had even walked in like his sister had walked in on him, like sitting on my chest one time. He was sitting on my chest holding my nose with one hand like my nose closed with one hand and my mouth closed with the other um and his sister walked in and I remember being able to look over at her like right before I passed out and she like walked in and grabbed a phone charger and just walked out like didn't even say anything to him um it was wild but I, I remember you know when he got back from rehab it was like a month later if that three weeks and he was using again like avidly like shooting um like not sh sorry he was sh shooting up for people that don't know I don't know I just said shooting for you guys who don't know he was like shooting up in his arms and stuff and um he had overdosed like in the shower and stuff before in the room before like having seizures because of it like I was having to like pick this man up out of the shower in the bathroom and try to like revive him damn near really like upstairs as well like having seizures I have to call the ambulance I have to make sure you know he's not dying like that shit that fucks with you but if you know a few times I remember him putting his hands on me like I remember it was around Christmas time one year I think it was our we had already been together a year so it was either we were together August 31st so it was either like the okay yes yeah, so I, I think it was like a year 
a year and a couple months after we were together. Um, mind you, he had still been hitting me before this, but like, I'm just giving you examples of like times, um, just so I can, you know, get into more great trauma in my life. Talk about the domestic violence that probably honestly fucked me up more than the sexual assaults that I dealt with in my life. Um, I would think the domestic, I honestly feel like the domestic violence that I endured, um, was way worse than that, to be honest. Um, he had wanted money and it was around Christmas time and I really wanted to get, you know, my Chris, my parents' Christmas presents and it was the first year I really had money to be able to do it. And I remember him, I was naked because I was trying to change my clothes. My dad was on the way so I could go to the mall with my dad to get my mom a Christmas present. Um, and mind you, his step, his stepdad at the time was upstairs at the time and um, heard me crying and didn't come down to help me, didn't even yell down, didn't anything. He was in the kitchen. Kevin's room in the basement at the time didn't have a door on it. So when I'm screaming and you're in the kitchen, which is literally at the top of the stairs, I know you can hear it as if it's in the next room. Like that's how close it was. Like it would sound like I was in the fucking same room as this man getting my ass beat and he didn't do anything. I remember hearing him like get in the fridge, getting them, you know, getting food, turn the microwave on. Like he didn't do anything, but I remember I was naked because I was getting dressed and Kevin made me stand in the middle of the room and he had a belt and he hit me all over my body as I'm naked with this belt as hard as he could as hard as he could because I wouldn't give him the last of my money because I really wanted to buy my mom a Christmas present so he was hitting me all over my body and he took the the belt and you know looped it around my neck and was like tightening it really hard I felt like I was gonna pass out he was trying to like drag me around the room like drop like yanked me on the ground while I was wearing it around my neck and I remember just screaming and crying. Um, and eventually my dad had texted me like, I'm here. Um, and Kevin had to let me go because my dad, you know, was there. And I remember putting a hoodie on and putting a scarf on everything so he couldn't see. And just because, you know, that past year I came out to my dad about all that stuff that happened and he had, um, he didn't do anything. In my head, he wasn't going to do anything about Kevin hitting me. So in my head, I was like, why am I even going to tell him, you know, that I've been getting my ass beat the last year? Because my family's eyes, they assumed that I was on drugs too because I was like really skinny and I always looked frail and I like stayed away from them all the time. Like they assumed that I was using drugs with Kevin when really I was just getting my ass beat so bad. Um, but to me, I was like, why am I going to tell him? You know, you didn't do anything about me being sexually assaulted. So why the fuck am I going to tell you that I'm getting abused? If you didn't do anything about a sexual assault on your minor child, why the fuck are you going to do anything? about your, you know, technical adult child getting beat up. You're not going to do anything. So I just didn't tell him. Um, and there had been times, you know, that I had hid my debit card in my underwear. Um, and I had, we still lived in Kevin's mom's basement. He had gone to rehab like twice already, been in jail. He And it was a concrete floor. And I remember he picked me up off the bed and slammed me down on the concrete so hard that he broke my tailbone. I had already broke my tailbone when I was a child, so it was already, like, deformed, really. Like, it kind of pokes out more than it should. My tailbone, instead of being in one piece, is in, like, four or five pieces um, because of when I was a child and I broke it, but also really badly now because of when Kevin broke it. But he picked me up and threw me, and I felt it kind of, like, shatter, and I felt like it was, like, shooting pain up my back and in my stomach. Literally, I felt fucking shooting pain in my asshole, and he yanked my debit card out of my pants, took my phone, 
so that I couldn't, you know, call for help. And he left. And his daughter at the time, she was like four or five. I think she was like four. She was upstairs in her room playing and he like left me with her. Um, And I didn't want to yell for her because I didn't want her to know like that her daddy had just hurt me and that her daddy was doing these things. So I just, you know, cried um, in pain and kind of screamed, you know, screamed internally really. And after a couple hours, he came back um, and I had hundreds, hundreds of dollars in my bank account. He took it all out the ATM. I think at one time he had took $600 out because he had went to one for and one ATM for 500 and then went to another for the other hundred. I literally had like $680 in my account. I had just got paid um, and he took 600 of it, just took it, used it for drugs for him and his friends and shit. But yeah, he came back a couple of hours later and I was still on the ground and he picked me up and took me to the emergency room and they looked at my tailbone and I lied and said I fell on the steps. Um, but he had like, this was around Christmas time too because I remember sitting on a pillow at Christmas, but he had like babied me like, oh my God, are you okay? Is your tailbone hurting? Like I'll, I'll, I'll like put a warm rag on it. I'll rub it. I'll massage it for you. And I'm thinking the whole time like, dude, like, you're the one that did it to me. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to baby me and you're the one that fucking did it. He has, like, squeezed my head so hard sometimes he snapped my glasses. Um, I remember one day um, he wanted money and I wouldn't give it to him. And we had lived in his mom's attic now at this time. And it was late at night. He had a cup of milk and a cup of juice on the counter or on, on his stand in his room. And I was sleeping and he took the cup of milk and poured it over my entire face. Um, and when I jumped up, you know, I couldn't breathe. It was like in my nose. And as I'm choking, he takes the cup of, I think it was like red Kool-Aid and threw that at my face too. Um, soaked me. Um, and I remember like grabbed me by my neck and like yanked me up and was like screaming at me, like literally hands around my neck, like fucking yanking me around like a rag doll. Like, where's the fucking money? give me the money. Like I'm going to start withdrawing and it's going to be your fault. Just help me. Um, and I'm thinking like, I can't talk cause he has his hands around my neck, but finally like he lets me go and like kind of throws me down on the ground. And I'm thinking like, you know, it's in my purse. Just take it, you know, just leave me alone. Just take it. Um, and before he left, so wild he was, he made me get up and change all the sheets on his bed and like dry the bed off because he had soaked his bed go put the sheets in the basement clean it all up everything while I'm still soaked in juice and milk um before I could even get in the shower like he made me clean up the mess clean up everything make sure it's getting in the washer make sure the bed's dry make sure there's new sheets new pillowcases new pillows you know make sure everything's good um and then I was allowed to go get in the shower and as I got in the shower you know he left um he had busted my lip at that time, fucked my knees up really bad. And there was a time where his mom was downstairs and he wanted money. And again, I wouldn't give it to him. And he would always lock the attic door. Like he had a screwdriver that he would put in this lock. Um, that way I couldn't just like run to the door and like push the door open. Like I would have to pull the screwdriver. I would have to like pull the knob of the door like in towards me um, and then pull the screwdriver out and then be able to move the lock and like open the door. So like, and he used to lock me in there sometimes like, he had a lock on the outside and the inside. He would lock the out, the lock on the outside to where I couldn't get out sometimes. Um, but yeah, he had been trying to get money for me and I went to run downstairs because it was like 
one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I think, like maybe like three or four. I don't know. It was light outside. Um, I remember I had shorts and a tank top on and I went to like, I jumped off his couch in the attic and like went to run, kind of like dove off of it, like onto the coffee table to like jump towards the door to grab the screwdriver. Um, And he had a rag in his hand at the time and he wrapped the rag around my neck and yanked me up like in between like his forearm and basically like in the middle of his elbow in his arm he like had the rag like wrapped it around me real fast and like pulled me up by my neck you know in his arm um and I remember him saying like bitch I'll kill you um and I couldn't breathe and I could feel myself like starting to kind of like fade away um and I I know now um he had knocked me out because he had squeezed my neck so tight Um, all I remember is like being in the air, like off my feet, like trying to move around. Um, I remember him throwing me like I was knocked out, like my eyes, it was black. I was knocked the fuck out, but I remember feeling the pain, which is wild. You can't see anything. You can't hear anything, but I could feel like the tingly pain of like being thrown down on the ground. Like my, my lifeless body really being thrown down. It's like I couldn't catch myself because I wasn't awake, but I could feel it. It's like being in a coma, you know, and um, he had thrown me in, on the ground, like between the wall and the bed. Um, and I remember like waking up. But like, I remember my eyes were open. Excuse me. I remember my eyes were open, but I still couldn't see. Uh, my ears were ringing like fuck. My vision was coming back a little bit and I could kind of see him. It's like if you have really bad eyes like me and like you don't have your glasses on like that really fucked up like blurriness is what it was to me. Um, but there was some blackness kind of behind it. And I remember hearing ringing in my ears, so I could not hear him at all. But I remember being able to kind of like sit myself up like off the floor on the bed um, and kind of look at him. And I could just see the rage in his face and like see him like screaming, but like I couldn't hear him. Um, and I just remember feeling like this in- immense like pain in my body, like in my tailbone again and um in my back, in my knees, like he fucked my knees up. My knees were so bruised and red, um, fucked my toe up. Two of my toes actually, my left foot fucked him up. I'm pretty sure my wrist was sprained. My fingers were hurting on uh, my face, had a cut in it from hitting the, um, the ground because the, the walls were wood walls. Like they were like old attic wood walls. Um, and I had hit my face on it, like busted my face. My glasses were fucked up. Um, and then slowly I was able to get some of like my, not actually some of my hearing, my hearing came back. It was like no hearing at all ringing. And then boom, all I heard was him screaming. Um, and I was blinking in my eyes, like to get my vision back. And I remember him being like, you know, quit, quit acting like you're fucking hurt. Quit acting like I fucking hurt you. You can hear me get the fuck up. And I'm thinking like, dude, like you just knocked me the fuck out. Like I don't hear shit. Um, and I remember hearing his mom like yell like, what the fuck did you do to her? What the fuck's going on? And I hear her yelling, Melinda, Melinda, come here, come to the steps, come to the steps. And I'm trying to stand up like I'm wobbly. I'm fucking lightheaded. Like I feel like I'm going to pass out again. And he unlocks the door actually um, and lets me out. And I go to the top of the steps and his mom like sees me like bleeding. And she's like, what happened? And I, I remember crying. I said, he just knocked me out. He just knocked me the fuck out. And she was like, come downstairs. And I'm trying to walk down the stairs. And I'm like wobbly. She has to help me down the stairs. Um, and she's like looking at me. I go to the bathroom and I like lock the door. And I remember just like sitting on the floor like, I just got knocked out. 
like this man really just tried to kill me. Um, and she had called the cops. And again, the cops asked me in front of him. And I said nothing happened. Because I was scared. Like, you're asking me in front of this man. Um, and there were other times, you know, I had to run up the basement stairs away from him. He was hitting me, you know, with belts and punching me and choking me. And I ran up the stairs and I got to the kitchen. And I was trying to run to the bathroom to lock the door. Um, and right when I got to the hallway, he had scooped me up by my neck again. And in no time, boom, I'm out. Knock me out again. Woke up with my head like in the dog bowl, like in the dog food, dog water all over me. Um, and him standing over me. And when my hearing came back, all I remember him saying is, are you done yet? If you would just give me the fucking money, if you would just fucking listen, I wouldn't have to do this shit to you. Are, are you fucking done yet? Um, there's been times where, you know, dead of winter i think the one of the worst times he ever beat me up was um it was the first time he had ever admitted to me like hey we're in the car together and i'm gonna go get drugs and you're not gonna say shit about it and i told him like whoever we go to get drugs from if it's a female i'm gonna make or even a male i said i'm gonna make it hard for you because he said that they had to come out to the car i said oh yeah i'm gonna make it hard for you i'm gonna ruin this i'm gonna ruin this deal i'm gonna ruin all this because you're fucking ruining my life you're ruining yours i'm gonna fuck you up you know i'm gonna fuck this up for you and this was one of the worst blizzards that we fucking had in my town. Um, and he had opened the driver door. Mind you, he's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. He opened the driver door, grabbed me by my hair, yanked me over the center console, like from the passenger seat over the center console to the driver's seat, out the door, literally was punching me outside in the fucking, like feet of snow, dragged me all the way around the front of the car by my fucking hair, opened the passenger seat, threw me in the passenger seat, slammed the door, ran over to the driver's side, as he's doing that, I'm trying to like open the passenger door to get out, grab me by my hair, put me in a headlock and had my head in his lap the whole time he's driving. He's like punching me in the top of my head, um, punching me in my fucking back. I remember he bit my arm really bad, like fucked the muscle up in my arm horribly. Got home, beat my ass some more and then forced me to lay down with him and cuddle with him for the rest of the night because he said he loved me and that he can't sleep without me. Um, when I was pregnant, he put his hands on me, like bit me again. He kept me up for 24 hours when I was pregnant with our first son. I was like four months pregnant, um, right before he went to jail and kept me up for 24 hours, like got in a fight with my, like a physical fight with my dad. Um, got me in a, like he went to a hotel, got me in a car, kept me up for 24 hours. Anytime I fell asleep, he would like smack me to keep me awake, bit my arm again, like fucked the muscle up in my arm, was punching me, um, wasn't feeding me, um, pushed me out of the car at Sunoco, um, this gas station by my house in Barberton, pushed me out of the car. Um, I was in Sunoco with no fucking shoes on, like running around, like begging all these people that are getting gas to like help me. I was like, I'm pregnant. He's beating me. Like I've been up for so long. Like, please help me. Nobody would help me. I was running down the main road. Nobody would fucking help me. He eventually pulled up on the sidewalk, like grabbed me, yanked me in the fucking car. Um, took me down some side roads, pushed me out of the car. I had to walk, I think it was like six blocks to get home to my parents' house. Um, my dad was in jail because he had just got, you know, in a fight with Kevin. So my mom was gone. Everybody was gone. Um, I remember I walked in, I walked to my room, locked the door and just lay down. And I slept really, I think, almost the whole fucking day. Um, and when I was five months pregnant, you know, and th there's more, there's so much more like 
domestic abuse other than the ones that I just said. There's there's so much more. But when I was five months pregnant with our first son together, he went to jail and he didn't get out until my son was like two months old. Um, so I had to go through all that alone. He was still, again, hitting me, beating me up. When I was pregnant with my son, he stomped, my first son, he stomped on my stomach, um, told me I didn't deserve kids, um, choked me, didn't let me eat a lot, um, put knives on my neck. When he finally came home, mind you, he had been sober. I would say nine or ten months because he was in rehab and like a jail. Um, so mind you, he's sober doing these things. He blames his the abuse for me on drug use. Um, more than half of the domestic abuse that I endured from him, he was sober and very much sober, like years of sobriety. So I remember my son was like two months old. It was winter time. He turned the gas on in our house had my son sitting in his car seat on the couch, turned the gas on, threw me on the ground, choking me, had a knife to my neck and said, because I told him I didn't want to be with him. And he said, if I didn't want to be with him, then we were all going to die together. Um, Tried to suffocate us. He had thrown me down the basement stairs, um, put a bag over my head till I passed out, locked me in the basement for a while, put my head in the toilet to try to drown me. Um, Like stepped on my head, punched me. Um, I ran outside a few times with my son like I only had on shorts and a sports bra and my son you know I had to wrap him in a blanket and I ran outside without a phone begging my neighbors and stuff to help me nobody would help me so I had to go back in the house um, he's picked me up and thrown me into coffee tables um, I finally started to hit back after a while you know scratching his eyes back um but nothing really helped. Like he just continued to beat my ass. Um, He didn't really want to help with the kids. Like I was raising our first son. He never one time got up at night to help with our son, barely changed diapers, barely wanted to watch him. And then when I had a newborn, he didn't want to get up and help me with either kid in the middle of night. Um, There was a night like my bladder was fucked up after I had my second son. Um, And I stood up to feed my second son and I was like peeing everywhere. I couldn't stop it. I didn't even know I had to pee. Um, He would not get up to help me. So here I am with a one and a half year old in bed crying because he wants me to cuddle him. And I have a newborn that's hungry and wants to eat. And I'm just like peeing all over the floor, trying to feed my newborn, but also, you know, soaked in urine, trying to help my one year old. And I'm like yelling to Kevin to like wake up. And he's, like, telling me, like, not to fucking bother him. Like, he's trying to sleep. Leave him alone. Um, There were times where he would say he was broke and couldn't pay bills and would be hiding money from me or, like, leaving work early to go fishing um, but telling me that he was still at work. Um, When I was pregnant, he would go. He went to an ex's house and, like, slept at an ex's house five months pregnant. There was a lot. There's a more abuse than what I can go into because I've already been talking to you guys for 45 minutes. So I could definitely go into more detail. Um, But I finally got tired of it. I would say almost, I would say like two, two and a half years ago, maybe I got tired of it and I left. Um, And here we are now. Um, I don't really get financial help with my kids. I think in the last year he's given given me money like three times. Um 
he gets the kids every other weekend and he gets them every other day, but it's only for like three hours. So like I still have them all in the week, you know, he gets them twice a week for like three hours a day and then every other weekend, but I have to pick them up on Sunday early, you know, early and keep them. It's more of like a babysitter situation, to be honest. But I was finally able to get the strength a couple years ago and leave with the kids to get away from him. I moved, you know, to Kenmore, if, if you guys are, you know, from around here that are listening. Um, and I finally told everybody, like, right before I left, I called my dad, like, left him. I called my dad and told him everything. It was fucking tornadoing outside. We had no electricity. There was literally a tornado outside, and I called my dad because Kevin had just beat my ass in front of the kids. Because I always told myself, like, I, you know, you should leave because he's beating you. But make it work for your family because you have kids. You know what I mean? But I made a pact to myself, like, if my children ever seen it. Because he never did it around them. Um, and I said, you know, I made a pact for myself. If my kids ever seen this, I'm out. And my kids seen it that night. Um, the night I decided I was going to leave. And I'd called my dad and told them everything. And still to this day, my dad says that he wishes me and Kevin could have worked it out and been together and that shit is just so wild to me that you can be a parent and all these things can happen to your child and Kevin is very open so it's not like these things are a secret Kevin has been very open about putting his hands on me he does not hide it he blames it on drug use but again more than half of it was when he was sober and very much years into sobriety um but he doesn't hide it he's been very open about the things that he's done um so it's not like you know, a lot, I, I've told a lot of people because I'm very open about it too. Um, and people don't believe me. And it's so wild because Kevin himself will tell you that he did it. Um, so how are you not going to believe me when the man who actually did it will tell you that he did it? It makes no sense. Um, but even now, we don't really get along because he is definitely still a manipulator for sure. Um, but yeah, that plays a lot into, you know, trauma. And you, again, you throw mental illness into it, which when I do my next episode, I'll go, that'll be more detail of my mental illness. This is kind of now just my backstories. Um, that plays a lot because, you know, I developed PTSD as a child from the sexual abuse, but with Kevin, um, severe PTSD came from Kevin. Um, my psychosis became more prominent being with Kevin um, he knows how to trigger me and he knows how to use my mental illnesses about, uh, against me. Like, oh, you know, you're mentally ill, so you shouldn't be a mom. You should give me the kids. Oh, you're mentally ill. You know, you're going to hurt people. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You can't raise kids being that way. One time I even, you know, about a year or so ago, I was going to put myself into a mental institute for three to six months. Um, intense therapy, intense work on myself to help. Um, and he refused to keep the kids while I went. Because it was, oh, if, if you're going to go, then you need to sign all rights over. You need to give up parental rights. You need to give up everything. You need to give me these kids. There's no way I'm going to do that. You live in a room at your mom's house. Everything that our children have at your house are from me. I would never sign over my rights, you know? So a lot of my, yeah, a lot of my PTSD um, comes from the domestic abuse as well. Um, growing up, you know, without pe- really feeling loved by people. Um it's a wild, it's been a wild ride. That's for sure. Um, I'm thankful for him at now. I'm thankful I'm not in the relationship. Um, first when we, you know, when we first broke up, I, you know, I thought, damn, you know, maybe we should get back together just so my kids have their family together. Now I'm so fucking thankful that I didn't do that. You know, I'm so much better just being a single mom, them seeing them 
them seeing him when they do and it being this way because um, I would probably be dead, honestly, from him killing me or me me hurting myself. Um, he knows how to trigger me. He still does it now. He knows how to push my buttons. And he knows how to fuck with me and make me feel like a piece of shit. Um, and honestly, I would end up hurting him or he would end up hurting me or I would hurt myself. And I, um, so I'm glad that I'm out of that situation. Again, there's so much more domestic abuse. I mean, I just told you guys a handful and that shit was already wild. You couldn't imagine the rest of it. Like he's tried to drown me, like pouring water bottles into my throat, like just wild, wild shit. Um, and my psychosis got worse with him and he kind of just threw it in my face. You know, you're, you're fucking crazy. You're fucking psychotic. So you shouldn't be a fucking mom. You don't deserve to be a fucking mom, like stuff like that. And that really, again, that really fucks with people. Um, but I'm coming close up on an hour for this episode. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut it here. Um, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you. I'm so sorry for the wait. Part three will definitely be the start of my mental illness into where I'm at now. Um, and then we'll get into how I handle it and, um, you know, how others have helped me and my psychiatrist, just people that I know have been able to help me and how I get through it, how I help myself. Um, but for right now, that's it. That's all. And I appreciate you all for listening. Thank you for listening to my life. Thank you for listening to my story. Um, thank you for believing me. Thank you for understanding me. Thank you for appreciating me. Um, I've never had that before. So I really do appreciate you guys and I love you all. Thank you.